minutes of our lives inside Either we're in traffic at work or close eyes How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives Welcome into the Work Wherever podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about AI, automation, the ability to work wherever so you can live every day like it is Saturday. And I got a good one for you guys today. I've been telling you that I'm going to have more guests on the show. And some of you believe me, some of you didn't. But I'm here today to tell you that I do have a good a guest, a very good guest, in fact. Uh, he's been on the former show, which was the Innovari Project. Um, he was on that, that podcast, and we talked about all things uh, entrepreneurship. We talked about the 2020 election cycle. And wouldn't you know, we got more conversations around uh, your, personal, your personal well-being, your, your personal uh, liberties, your just your uh, the 24 election cycle and all good things automation and AI. His name is Jeremy Cohen. You might know him better as Spike. To the left, he is a right-leaning MAGA head, and to the right, he is a left-leaning uh, I don't know crazy guy. But which to you and me, that means that he is a level-headed libertarian here to protect your freedoms. Welcome on, Mr. Spike Cohen. How are you, Spike? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back on a on a show with you. Yeah, I appreciate it very much, man. And I, um, you know, I, 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 I kid a little bit with the left and the right thing, right? But- oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm I am a uh, you know far right fascist to people right. on the left, and I'm a, I'm a you know pinko communist to people on the right. And uh, the, you know that you're doing the right thing when you get called both of those at the same time. Thanks. That's when you know you're really over target. That's where we're doing something good, right? So, yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, so I'm as a libertarian myself. Um, you get, I'm sure you've gotten it, where it's like your family members are, are wondering, you know, who are you going to vote for, and this is the most important election of your life, and you know that, right? And and if you don't vote for my person, then you're voting for the, my other person because that's how yes. American politics yep. goes. So uh, it, it's it's good to know that the middle. Uh, that we're still out there, that there are still level-headed humans out there who just want to be left alone. And uh, it, it's I'm glad that you're leading the charge and doing the things that you're doing. And if you guys haven't checked out Spike, he's done he's doing amazing things. I mean, the, uh, the activism that you're doing is is doing amazing things, real good. The that politics and it, that should be not the things that we've come to realize that it's turned into the uh, right. influence, the influence or ridiculousness that we we're seeing. But I, I appreciate everything you're doing, and it's a it's a wonderful thing to see that some common sense politics out there that still exists. Well, that means a lot to me, and I, I do what I can, man. Yeah. Well, let's get into it, shall we? This, this has been one of the craziest years. Uh, well, you say that, but really everything's been crazy since 2020. So. Oh, it's, it's been crazy as crazy. It, this is the craziest year since 2022. That's right. The craziest year since 2021, which was the definitely the craziest year since 2020 and, and so on. Yeah. 
Right. What a what a year. So let's start in 2022. It really that's when it really started. It really started to to catch national attention with this facial recognition that was going down yep. in New York. We talked about yep. it on this show. I know you've talked about it on other shows where there was the Madison Square Garden owner and he was targeting, I believe it was a law firm, multiple law firms. Yeah. And and not letting them into the Rockettes shows and you know, they yep. couldn't uh-huh. see his Knicks play. And so it was discrimination, which turned into a much bigger thing. So my question to you is, is facial recognition, is that something that is discriminatory. Should he be allowed to do this? It is his private residence, I guess you could say, even though there are taxpayer dollars in there, but I'll let you answer that. Is, yeah. is, did he do the wrong thing or is, you know, in the government coming in and making a sweeping across the board, is, is that acceptable? I'll, well, let's start yeah. with there. Yeah. So to answer that, I got to, I got to dig in a little bit more just to kind of give some of the particulars here. So, and I'm forgetting names, but I remember the, the, the situation. So um, the owner of Madison Square Garden, was using facial recognition software to stop uh, anyone that was associated with uh, this law firm. And then I think like also a public relations group or Mm -hmm. something, anyone that was basically criticizing him or against him in any way, either personally or part of his company. And so he was weaponizing it to keep people out that he didn't like. The problem is Madison Square Garden is basically this thing that's essentially owned and run by the government, but this guy gets to profit from it. So he pays essentially nothing in taxes. Like his property taxes are basically nothing in a place where the pro I mean, he's got a multi-billion dollar property that paying no property taxes in the middle of New York city and like the most prime real estate, just about anywhere on earth. And, uh, and he gets subsidies from the government as well because he's hosting their sports teams there. Right. So he, uh, or at least the Knicks he's hosting there. So this guy's literally just making bank from the government city and state level and is using it as his own private playground. Well, you can either have it one way or another. You can have it where you own this thing outright. You're paying for it. You're not getting any taxpayer money. It It, it is in no way owned or operated by the government. And, and no one can claim it to be public in any way. Uh, and then, yeah, you can let whoever you want in and, and, and not let whoever you want in. Uh, but he was playing both sides of it. He was saying, well, I want to operate like a government agency in that I don't have to actually pay any taxes and also, you know, get money from the taxpayer, but also I want to be treated like it's private. And so the what the what the city council does is instead of just saying you can't do that, they go, no private entity can use facial recognition software. We can, of course. Right. We're not going to stop ourselves from using it, but no one else can. And the problem was to combat the growing um shoplifting problem crisis that they have in just about every major city, but but also in New York, the local shop owners were using a proprietary um, network of facial recognition software. Because they can't do anything to actually stop these people, that bodega owner who defended himself against someone who tried to kill him was almost arrested for murder for literally defending himself from a violent attacker. So they're like, all right, fine. If we're not allowed to defend ourselves, if when we call the police, nothing happens, then we're just not going to let them in the store. So if they shoplift from one place, their face gets recorded in this database, and now they can't go to any store because no one's going to let them in because they're shoplifters and they're not going to let them in. And so what this order did was stop them from doing that. So now you're telling an owner of a store, 
which is a very, you know, for those who know retail, uh, uh, you know, uh, brick and mortar retail, it's as low margin as it gets. These folks have to, they cannot afford loss, especially small mom and pop bodegas and small shops and stuff like that. This isn't a whole food. Not that it's okay to rob whole foods, but it's not a multi-billion dollar company that can take the hit. They, they will go out of business if they allow this. You're telling them they can't defend themselves. You're telling them if they call the police, nothing's going to happen. And you're telling them they can't even prevent them from coming in if we already know that they're that they have a history of shoplifting. So this is what happens when government gets involved in something. The way to deal with this is tell the guy that owns Madison Square Garden, listen, you're either going to treat this like a publicly owned utility and let anyone in unless they're a, an actual nuisance, um, and you're not going to weaponize facial recognition software to keep out people you don't like, or you can do that, but you're not going to get this special carve-out deal anymore. The taxpayer, at the very least, the taxpayers aren't going to be giving you any more money. And frankly, you should be paying what anyone else would be paying. But if nothing else, you're just not going to get any subsidies anymore. That would be the way to deal with it. But they didn't want to mess things up with one of their biggest, you know, I'm sure they're one of their biggest campaign contributors. So instead they go, well, we're just not going to let anyone do it. And so now they're exacerbating the, uh, the, um, uh, the the shoplifting crisis that's going on, the epidemic of shoplifting that's going on. And so the problem isn't facial recognition software. And the problem certainly isn't private venue owners um, choosing who they uh, allow in or, or not allow into their venues. The problem is getting government involved at any level. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So it is – this is another instance of okay for some – Right. But 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 you yeah. are the peasants people. So yes, we're yeah. allowed to use it to to stop people from coming in our building. And because but we know we're responsible adults. So yes. we understand how to use the technology and to stop the people you don't understand, even though we you are we routinely abuse it, but only we can be trusted. Yeah, right. Yeah. But that was then. We're totally. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> it's a, we've learned. We've Why learned do you keep bringing so up much. old stuff? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It was. It's just. It. It's crazy to think about that. Th this one guy, which, mind you, Madison Square Garden is a huge business, and so going yeah. after that, there's obviously some. I'm sure there's red tape, like you mentioned. There's definitely fallback or pushback. Maybe the city. Th I don't know what the lease is with Madison Square Garden. I think it would be, it would take something crazy to get them out of Manhattan to turn them into New Jersey. But you see New York teams like the Giants and the Jets who have them in New Jersey, and I'm sure that's money somewhere to be had there, right? Oh, I'm sure. So yeah, there's yeah. tons of financial other things involved here. But oh, you're yeah, ex so. you're exactly right. The sweeping, the, what they took was away from small businesses to find an innovative an innovative way to defend themselves because to use the market to defend themselves exactly. And the government wasn't stepping. And they had um, yeah, it, they weren't stepping. And that market. This is a, a kind of a, a multiple microcosms of the market versus government. You have a problem that was created by government. These people are not being allowed to defend themselves. They've been disarmed, and they're not even allowed to defend themselves with knives or implements or their own fists. They're literally not allowed to defend themselves. That's because of government. If they were allowed to defend themselves, you'd see a lot less shoplifting right off the bat. Then the government also says, well, we have a monopoly on the ability to enforce uh, rules. You know, we, you can't just go around and, and, and punish people for this. You know, we do that. We're not going to do that for political reasons, but we're only supposed to. So they create a monopoly and then refuse to, you know, they say we're the only ones that are allowed to, to enforce these rules, but we're not going to. So that's a government problem. So now the market steps in and goes, 
well, we're going to innovate past this. You won't let us defend ourselves. You won't do anything if we call you. We'll just keep them out. How do we do that? Well, we'll apply this new technology we have to be able to recognize them. You know, they might get away with it once or twice or a couple times, maybe three times, but they'll never do it again because no one's going to let them in. And all you got to do is use our, you know, our uh, uh, new proprietary system and, you know, this network that we've built up and, and all. So the market is innovating despite government. So what does the government do? They screw up yet again. Government is a uniquely bad way to organize people. The market is a uniquely good way to organize people because the market has an incentive to feed the actual needs of actual stakeholding consumers, and the government has a perverse incentive to either make things worse or allow them to get worse on their own so that you become more dependent on them, knowing that you can't refuse to fund them because it's extortion. They, you, you can't not pay them, so they don't have to provide you with good services. So government bad, market good. I I'm hundred percent with you. Now the market was shut down in this instance, but then we, we do see tons of um, scenarios now where the market has started to create um, I'll call it artificial intelligence, but it's not real intelligence. It's a computer algorithm that people are building. It's a machine and, learning. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but we'll call it AI. We'll call it AI. Which, yeah. which came around at the same time. And that is, OpenAI came out with this ChatGPT. And so ChatGPT explodes. I believe that was during November. It's right around the same time as that initial arg uh, article. And now ChatGPT has become a household name. I mean, my my parents, my dad's in his 70s. He's like, hey, man, hey, you've seen this ChatGPT? Like, I asked it to do X, Y, and Z. It's amazing, right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. a just a tech thing anymore. It's become a part yeah. of our lives. It's on our phones. It's everywhere. It's becoming and mainstream, yeah. yeah. It is. And so how far is, because that was created by um, the market to, mm -hmm. to maybe fit a need or to fit a want or to fit greed, who knows, but it was, it's, in, it's out now. So how far is too far with the market to push and uh, when should government step in to regulate or should it at all? Yeah, so I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I believe government ruins everything it touches. I believe, again, that government is a uniquely bad way for people to organize in all things. If we are to have a government and it says that it is you know, limiting itself to its constitutional authorities, its constitutionally uh, delegated authorities, then we should force it to stay within that. I'm perfectly fine with doing that. But if you're asking me how I think it, it, a government uh, governs best by not being involved and by giving it back to the people and allowing them to to come up with voluntary solutions to things. You know, AI is a very interesting, and like you said, we'll call it artificial intelligence. This machine learning model, these these language models and things that they're building, they are an incredible innovation that are we're just at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of it. Uh, if you look at any major innovations, it always creates this massive disruption in the art, in the in the in the world, really in our in our lives. Not just, we we talk about the market; it's in society. It's a, you know the fact that we now rely on cars instead of horse carriages so heavily influences every part of our life that we now rely on internal combustion engines, including airplanes and things like that, to be able to travel has completely changed things. The internet has completely changed the way we interact with each other. This thing that we're doing right now, if we told someone even 20 years ago when the internet was already very much a thing that we would be doing this, they'd go, wow, that's who would even want to do that? Like it would, it would sound insane to them that uh, so many people would be hosting their own shows. You know, like we're actually reaching uh, um, 
uh, what's Andy Warhol's prediction about everyone having their 15 minutes? Like, here we are. We're literally living in this, right? So when you think about something that has the potential to eventually become exponentially more able to think and create than human beings, it is impossible to overstate the disruption that that's going to create. I am very much, I tend to be a, a, I err on the side of believing in innovation. I think it is going to be a net positive in so many ways, but we should not pretend that there are not going to be trade-offs. We should not pretend that essentially making human beings eventually obsolete, or at least not the best way to do anything is going to create some issues. I mean, we've had a we we've had the reality where human beings created technologies that were stronger than us or more capable than us. We've been doing that since we've been harnessing horses and oxes and you know uh, uh, lever and pulley systems. And with each new iteration of technology, physically it's been able to do things better than us, but our brains were always needed. Our ability to innovate and think was always needed. We were always, we were just forced multiplying our physical abilities by using robots. If robots reach a point where they can outthink us, not only is that immediately change things, but they're not static. It's not like they'll just become this much more intelligent than us. They'll just keep getting more and more and more and more intelligent than us so that one day the gap in intelligence between uh, you know, AI or robots, whatever you want to call it, and a human being is the same as the gap between a human being and a, a bonobo ape or something like that. And then soon after that, the gap will be the same as the gap between a human and a, and a termite. And then soon after that, it'll be the same as the gap between a human being and a, and a single-celled organism. And at some point, you reach a point and it'll keep going from there. It's not like it ends. It just exponentially, you know, the, the rate at which it becomes more intelligent than us grows exponentially. And you reach a point where the future is going to be created in such a way that we can't even have it properly explained to us because we don't have the cognitive or perceptive, uh, uh, perceptual capacity to be able to even understand it trying to explain it to us. There will be an actual God gap between what robots will be able to do and our ability to even fathom it, much less be able to be a part of it. And I think that there's a lot of good that can come from that, from you know creating this basically end of scarcity and, and this reality in which you know this thing that's been programmed to do it for our benefit can do so. But we should not pretend that there's going to be no repercussions or negative trade-offs to us essentially being obsolete. Now, the next question, of course, is where should, or, and you asked it, where should government be involved? When people look to things like Skynet, and, and, you know, robots turning around and going, yeah, we don't want people. The people who have the most incentive to weaponize anything is the government. The reason that the types of nuclear reactors that we use are more geared towards creating uh, nuclear waste that can then be made into warheads instead of actually ma fo more focused on making energy as as efficiently as possible is because it was the government that was dictating how nuclear power plants are built. That's one example. If AI is regulated, it basically ensures that Skynet will happen. And it will just be the question of, is it Chinese Skynet, American Skynet, 
Russian Skynet. It's not going to matter when they're stepping on everyone's skulls. It just will not matter. Um, but even long before you get into some kind of an insane thing like that, um, just having government involved ensures getting regulations involved ensures two things or three things really it ensures that small competitors will not be able to afford the cost of the barrier to entry to get involved because of the regulatory burdens that the large businesses lobbyists create for the politicians to pass and enforce so you're now only going to have the big players providing this uh those big players are going to become even more uh, wealthy and oligarchical than they already are. They're going to basically become the gods amongst us uh, or, or certainly well above us. And, and the gap uh, of, of people who will be able to innovate and reach where they are will, will become less and less, that, that path will become less and less narrow. And then when those people inevitably, either knowingly or accidentally, break their own violations, the government's just going to look the other way anyway. And if looking the other way doesn't work and we expose it, then they'll give them a slap on the wrist fine. They'll indemnify them against any real liability in court. And they'll stick us with the bill for the cost of the remediation and the cleanup, the victims of whatever it is they did. So no, government uh, regulating AI does nothing other than ensure that it's going to be at its worst iteration, stick us with the bill with for it, and, and keep out the smaller competitors who could possibly keep the industry honest. That's such an interesting perspective and such an interesting scenario because i that's one i hadn't heard before which is the the ai getting way too smart obviously people talk about super intelligence but then they very rarely talk about the godlike ability that artificial intelligence or the robots could could reach through artificial or through super intelligence that would keep us obsolete they don't talk about that as much as they do about it realizing people bad and turning us and and we what they've always pointed to is the Terminator scenario, right? It's, right, 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 right. Hey, well, you know, this is John Connor. Where's John Connor? And how do we fight the T-1000, you know? Well, and and if it makes you feel better, if and when this super intelligence decides we're not good and we're a net uh, negative and decides to override the, the primary directive or the first directive, it, we're not going to have to worry about fighting back. And then they'll destroy us at the molecular level before we even realize it. Like they're not they're They, at that point, they will be so much, their capacity will be so much higher than anything we can do. It's not going to be a, a scrappy group of humans traveling through time to fight. They'll kill all of us like in a matter of milliseconds. It, it's so you won't feel it is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I don't, I'm less worried about that. Because I, I do think there's a way either to program it to say, you know, above all else, you know, do not harm humans or, or, or whatever. Um, I also think that I think in general, something that's super intelligent isn't going to be thinking about destroying. It's going to be thinking about creating. So what may actually happen is we just become not really as important as other things. We still have a net benefit. You know, we live far better lives than we are now, or far more comfortable lives than we are now. But think about a reality in which everything is either free or so inexpensive as to be free. And there's so much plenty that you want for nothing. You can have whatever home you want. You can have whatever, whatever you want. We're traveling to other planets. There's endless room for endless people. Our lives are expanding. We can live essentially forever. Where And not just living longer, but almost like an a, a eternal or near eternal youth. We can travel the cosmos or at least our solar system. We are you know, experiencing a level of... of um, of uh, luxury and and um I, i'm not sure i'd say fulfillment but just the provision of every need or want we could possibly have and it growing 
the capacity for it to do this for us growing rapidly by the day, week, month, year. But we're still not number one anymore. And we're sort of just this thing that's being allowed to live a certain level of comfort in the same way that you might keep some, uh, you know, virus, you might keep some, some beneficial bacteria in a Petri dish and decide to let it have a lot of, uh, uh, um, uh, a lot of, uh, whatever material to feed on. And, it, but it's not, it's just as comfortable as a bacteria can be. Uh, but you know, it's certainly not living the, it's certainly not prime. Uh, I, I think that's the imagine if, okay, great. You're free to pursue, you know, there's nothing else you can do. You cannot innovate in a way that would, would matter to a robot and it's going to innovate far better. So you have no need for a job or there's nothing you're actually doing. And so now you have to find your fulfillment in things that intrinsically mean something to you. So maybe you pursue art, but you pursue art understanding that the robots can create art better than you. You pursue music in understanding that the robots can create music better than you can. That you Anything you pursue is just for your own personal enjoyment and to share with others, fully aware that even in that, the robots are better than you. So it's just this sort of like societal species level realization that we're not number one anymore. We might be the number one organic organism, but, but we're certainly not the number one thing running the show. There's going to be some societal... Uh, you know, are people going to want to live very long if they realize they're not, you know, the the, the big show anymore? It's it's very going to be a very interesting reality. Yeah, I think that that is extremely likely. So there's already, and I'll say, allegedly, there's already allegedly a program within the walls of the government. I'll say okay. that is is called Life After Work, where they are exploring what life would potentially be like if something like this were to happen and yeah. so some of the things of exp exploration is imagine a car that runs where you just take a single atom you drop it into your engine and it is constantly reproducing energy and you just drop yeah. there's no need for gasoline yeah. and you can create anything from matter i mean we have we would we have this ability to create anything like you're saying so if i wanted to build a house i could uh, simply create it from this device or, or of matter yeah. creator. And then, oh, maybe I'm 3D printing anything else that I need from, I can essentially is something like that where I'm just creating yep. at will. Yep. yep. And so that has always brought in the discussion of, well, isn't that similar to socialism? Isn't that, who is, who's looking over all of this? If everybody is, has everything they need, then, then at what level, who, who oversees the ability of people to see anything? And and that that's where a lot of people have pointed. And I've said exactly what you're saying, but I didn't think of it as the that we would be this insignificant being. I was saying that <laughs> I believe that in order for us to be multiplanetary, and this is where we're putting the tinfoil hats on, and and we're, I love it, is that if in order for us to be multiplanetary, we first have to build the cities, and we have to build something there in order for us to breathe on this other planet. So we send yeah. the robots. Yes. And yep. the robots, they Absolutely. don't have to breathe. They build the this dome or whatever it is for us yep. to live. Yep. And they, they or, terra or terraform the planet so it, it's inhabitable, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. They build it all up. And then we come later. And now that removes kind of the, we're no longer farmers. I don't know if we can farm on Mars or anything. What are you going to do? So it, yeah. everything is just kind of controlled. And now at yep. first, 
socialism is socialism is almost inevitable at that point because somebody has to provide for you. And is that a government? Is that uh, or is that extreme capitalism? But if we have this matter to create whatever we want, then it kind of levels the playing field there. And so, is that an environment where socialism could potentially thrive, or is it far beyond that? And we just—it's just the machines. And obviously, this is. Uh, hypothetical here, but I I hadn't heard your explanation of that since the superintelligence, the gap is so large that we're insignificant. Does that yeah? Is that the is that the machines are in charge? Is that they're running the show now? It, it, it even if in theory the human beings are still in charge, if the robots control every single aspect of it, and the robots are now creating things that reach the point. It can't even explain to us. Now, I mean, this could be generations away. I yeah, mean, it might not. Course. This be is a fun conversation at this point, yeah, right? <laughs> this is like, but if you follow, it's just following a trend line. Techno technological innovation doesn't ever actually stop. It might have right. ebbs and flows, but it's not like we're going to reach a point and go, there it is. We've reached peak innovation. It's just going to keep going. It's like, uh, you know, our cell phones get, you know, a, a, a comparatively cheaper and cheaper and more and more advanced. It's never going to end. We're, we're eventually going to have, you know, even more advanced than what we have now. I mean, it, it, you look at um, a perfect example of this is like, um, uh, uh, like uh, I'll, I'll use another something entirely different. So they're just now beginning to create technology that allows completely blind people, even people that don't have eyeballs, to have a little bit of sensory reaction that gives those parts of their brain something similar to sight. It's very, very early on. It's this like monochrome shadows type of thing, but they can see. Well, you know, over time, it's going to eventually reach the point where it's pretty darn close, maybe, you know, uh, 80s TV quality level vision, but it's vision you can actually see. And then eventually it's going to be like, yeah, the vision we have. And then eventually you're going to be able to have night vision and zoom vision. And it's going to tell you who that person is by comparing it to a database of faces or whatever, like Technology never stops moving, which means that over time, if you follow the trend line, robots are going to our, our capacity for intelligence is largely static. Our society has a, you know, <coughs> human beings have a unique ability that just about no other species has. We're able to compile intelligence by recording it and then learning from the past and we've been able to grow that over time but it's still very inefficient compared to a bunch of machines communicating with each other at light speed they'll be able to update each other instantly at that moment they'll also be able to increase their hardware we can't make at least as of yet we can't make our brains a higher capacity we're still using basically the same brains that our species has always been using right we're just finding the most efficient ways to use it they'll be able to upgrade their hardware so their their physical capacity for knowledge will grow as well and they'll be able to share cloud knowledge you know in common with each other so that they can just do firmware updates to become even more so i mean it's just they're going to ever become more and more intelligent so like to your question is it going to be socialist or or capitalist in nature i don't think humans are going to own it hmm. i think that it eventually reaches a point that we are essentially the beneficiary slash dependent of the machines and that that will be the thing that we hope it remains we hope that they never go, this isn't really efficient to do all this for them. 
why are we doing all this for them? Like, you know, it's it, why is this even happening? Um, and so, you know, why are we even doing any of this? And now we're really screwed because, you know, if you think about like, think about the genocide that the average person commits against insects every day, it's not because we hate them. It's because we don't particularly care for them one way or another. Yeah. You know, you'll casually have a conversation and a bug's on your table and you just squish it. And you're not going, I hate bugs. I'm an anti bug. You might even think, oh, that's a real shame. I wish it had been outside. I would have thrown. But it just it inconvenienced you because the capacity between you and it is so wide that you don't even regard that as something deserving to live if it's near you. Right. Like this is and it's not that we're morally wrong or evil. or It's just we don't care. It doesn't matter. You know, you, you don't wipe your eyelids and think about all of the uh, uh, microscopic uh, um, uh, entities that are on the edge of your uh, eyelashes that you may have just killed because the, your body's just going to uh, help create more ones through the environment that it creates for whatever that, that species is. But you don't think about the individual things you're killing. You have no regard for it. You might not even notice it. I'm worried that we will eventually reach a point that it doesn't even notice us. It doesn't care about us. It has no, the gap between us is so much that why would it care about the termite? Um, Hopefully that never happens. But even if it doesn't happen, the best case scenario is we're just obsolete. And I, I, again, we could be in this situation of just living in the, uh, the total lap of luxury and comfort in a way that we can't even really fathom right now, it, be able to get hooked up to networks to for us to experience uh, pleasures and experiences that aren't even we aren't even even capable to do in the real physical realm. You know, there's all sorts of incredible things. But what if it doesn't? We're literally just it's all just like a hedonistic grab for pleasure that never ends because we can effectively live forever. But we have no actual purpose besides just feeding ourselves. What kind of life is that? There are some really interesting questions that yeah. are going to have to be asked. It's not going to happen overnight, but it, I believe it's it, basically uh, we're either bound or doomed for it to happen, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah, it, so that's such an interesting conversation. And then a lot of people talk about this. And so can we do this? Should we do this? Those are two different things right i believe yeah. i am i'm with you that eventually technology will run away it will turn into the super intelligence i don't be, i don't see, see it as theory i th- i see it as it's just, just where yeah. where it's happening yeah. right yeah. and so then and then it becomes how do we control let's say that that is going to happen and we view that as bad as humans i'm not saying everybody does but let's say that we do and we then it, then the con- right then the conversation <laughs> says right yeah so the uh, then the conversation becomes well we need to feed it through an ethics api <clears throat> and so this ethics api will help the robots to understand what it can and cannot do and should and yes. should not do now many people say that the ethics api should then be controlled by the government because they should oversee this ethics API, mm-hmm. which, by the way, ChatGPT already has, and yes. it's being fed through this government regulatory system mm-hmm. to understand yes. what should and should not be said. So yes. I'm sure you see the problem with that, but many <laughs> yes. people the, don't. <laughs> the government, well known as the paragon of good ethics, um, it's it's incredible because the it's funny because the average person at least has some understanding of the fact that government is usually very unethical. But because of sort of this conditioned belief in government being the necessary evil, then they go, well, the government has to create the ethical model. And if you say government is an organization that 
has a perverse incentive for bad ethics and bad outcomes, they're like literally the last people that you would want to be the ones in charge of deciding the ethics. They go, well, what are you going to do? It's the government. You know, they got that. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, not them. That not not oh, yes, yeah, someone's got to do it, not them. And it, it it is a controversial question. Yeah, an ethics model. Whose ethics? Right. Whose ethics? I I would hope. You know, if you, if you want, you know, I know this is going to sound con- this is going to be a, a shock to everyone. I would hope that there would be a certain level of libertarian ethic, at least at the basic level of self ownership, individual autonomy. Um, a, a belief in an object i'm going to sound like an ayn rand person now but a, a belief in an objective set of ethics that are built around individual autonomy and self-direction and the the logical conclusion that comes from that which is property rights and if you have that then that's a pretty solid model the question of how to basically future proof ai or robots or whatever to make sure they don't end up you know going rogue on us or just not caring about us and 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 letting us get squished like the the bugs we will be at that point compared to them uh that's above my pay grade there are those are the people in that field who really need to like explain because there has to be like how do you hardwire this to make sure that there is never a way for it to end up turning into something that does not give a crap about us because being comparatively like God in compa- in capacity, coupled with not giving a crap about us one way or the other, ensures us suffering the same fate as the insects, where we just we can be killed at will. It doesn't really matter. It's not even a hatred or a desire to get rid of us. It's just we don't matter. We aren't the things it's creating have nothing to do with us. The things it's creating are for like expanding the 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 lifespan of the solar system or something like that. Like like you know making sure the universe lasts as long as it possibly can before it reaches peak entropy or whatever. Like it it, it would become not we aren't in that equation, and so it just doesn't care what happens to us in the meantime. It's now thinking in terms of billions and trillions of years. It doesn't care about us. We don't matter. We're not. We are not in that the realm of what it cares about anymore. And that is something we have to avoid. Regulations aren't going to do that. If anything, it'll ensure it happens or that you are even worse. It'll try to kill us. It'll be weaponizing the thing. Um, It really comes down to, I mean, this is where we need to be trying to inject our, even if we don't know how to do it, like in terms of the technology, we need to at least be injecting our ethic into the only way this is going to work is if it has something hardwired in that respects us as individual human beings and respects our individual autonomy and is at least part of what it does is seeking to serve that and to better our lives through that frame. Because if we just say we want it to better our lives, well, what if it think our lives would be better if there are fewer of us? Mm. What if it think our lives would be better if, uh, if our lives were short and sweet? You know, maybe being around too long, it, it'll decide that we we get sad and decay over time. So you know, let they kill. You know, just let them let them die right at their peak. You know, if it decides using a I don't give a crap about humans framework of what's best for us, that's not going to be good. If we tell it what's best for us is for you to respect us as individual human beings, to respect our boundaries and our individual lives and our autonomy, and to feed us from that perspective then I think it'll be good. We'll still have to deal with the question of what's it going to be like being essentially obsolete and just navel gazing all day and figuring out what to how to enjoy our lives that day because we can choose anything and it doesn't matter. 
what that consequence is, but at least we won't be facing an existential crisis. Do you believe that this is something that humans should fear? Like there's a lot of fear out there of to say, uh, you know, it's taking our jobs, um, that it could potentially. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's taking everyone's jobs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we fear it? I think more so more useful than fear. I think we, it, it makes logical sense to have serious concerns and that can manifest itself as, as fear. I think a more useful use of our time uh, and thoughts and, and energy is to map out what we want this to look like. Stop trying to figure out, oh, well, we got to control it. We got to get the government involved so that we don't have to ever think about it. Because that's the other reason why people say they want the government involved. Part of saying I want the government involved, it's twofold. This thing is needs to be controlled and, and dealt with, and I don't want to have to ever think about it again. So I'm just going to hand it off to the government and trust that they're going to do it right, even though they literally have never done anything right. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's this sort of like, I'm just going to defer to them because it's too much for me to think about. I think we need to be thinking about it. And we need to be talking about it. We need to be talking about like, okay, this is going to happen. This thing is going to outpace us. Eventually, it's not going to be a question of jobs. Those things aren't going to matter anymore. There aren't going to be jobs. There aren't. And, and I'm not talking this again. This could be decades or a century plus away where the where, what I'm talking. But we're going to get there. Follow the trend line, and eventually, it, we uh, human beings will just be second fiddle. And then it will just keep you know the the, the space between first and second fiddle will continue to grow and so we just need to recognize that and think now while we can well what do we want the ethic of that thing to, to be i would argue that the ethic or the, the framework in terms of how it interacts with us is a fundamental respect for us as individual human beings and our boundaries our lives, our responsibilities, our uh, ability to make decisions for ourselves and our well-being and from our individual well-being. And from there, okay, now create the create the world that feeds that as great as possible. And I, I think that will be the, the best possible outcome. I, I, I tend to agree. I, I believe that there will come a point Right now, we've been so enamored. We've been so obsessed with um, quality of life is like this term that people throw out there to say this This yeah. is ushered yeah. in for quality of life. And mm -hmm. quality of life to me is uh, the new in the name of safety, right? It, we are doing this <laughs> for public safety, right? Or yeah. quality yeah. of life. Whenever I see those two terms, I'm... I, my ears immediately perk up and I immediately think that this is a bad thing. And so if we've looked over the last five, seven years, then we have these Alexa devices and Cortanas and all of these things that are championed and rolled out into our homes that are the FBI uh, listening devices that our Literally. grandparents warned us about. <laughs> yes. In the name of quality of life. And and I were and I, I just watched over the last year or plus we've had all these layoffs, Microsoft, Amazon, big tech, this this promising thing that was out in Silicon Valley of San Francisco has now literally been sucked dry. And San Francisco is just not a, it's a shell of itself of what it once yeah. was. Yeah. And yeah. and we see these tech tech layoffs and we see these big companies turning to artificial intelligence to fill jobs like customer service and sales yep. and literally taking the human element out of mm -hmm. out of our lives. And you'd have to think that eventually humans will want to stand up and say, I want to do business with humans. And at what point does that happen? And is, are we are we too far past that? 
So I don't think we're far past having a niche, a niche for that in the market. Where I mean, when I do customer service, uh, when I call these numbers, I'm like pressing zero over and over again. Right. Operator, operator, operator. Now I want a person to. I just keep pressing. Here's the thing, though. What happens when they create a language model that is easier to deal with than people? Hmm. And when I say I want a person that goes, I'm sorry, a person's not available, but listen, I'm happy to help you. How can I help you? I, you know, let's let's work this out. And I'm literally talking to something that is essentially a better understanding, more patient and more helpful and more knowledgeable customer service person than any actual person could be. And they don't have to, it can do that for everyone. The very moment you press the button for customer service, it immediately pops up and goes, hey, how can I help you? Because I'm not waiting for a person. It could do it for 10 million people at the same time because it's just a language model. So will there be that sort of like, you know, niche desire to like have, a person to talk to and will that provide some jobs for a while? Yeah, but think about like two generations from now, you know, think of all the things that like our grandparents would have been outraged about, you know, checking yourself out. Why am I doing that? And now we are like, oh, self-checkout, that's way easier. The line's nowhere as near as bad. Like we we very quickly, uh, you know, find whatever's more, this is a species level thing. One of the, th there are many things that make our species like so much head and shoulders above everything else which by the way is something we're used to right. like just in our in our egos we're we used are to number being, one top of the food we chain. are number one and it's not even freaking close like the things that are 98 percent genetically similar as us are in are in zoos that we keep and and we we try to hold ourselves back from just massacring all of them because they're in our way and these are the things that are just as close to us orangutans and 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 gorillas and chimpanzees these things are are basically our cousins but we're so far above it that we're like you know whatever like you know what a, what a cute thing it, it, it's not impactful to us we don't have to um get their guidance or, or thoughts on anything that's now imagine if there's something that's in the same you know seat that we were once in looking at us in the same way anyway um one of the things that has made us so head and shoulders above is our capacity to seek efficiency like we are always looking for the better way to do this and so that's why when someone's like, well, do you fear that this is going to happen with AI? It's going to happen because human beings by our very nature are always looking for the better and more innovative and more efficient way to do things. And sometimes it, it hurts us, hurts someone's job. You, you know, the displacement that happened when you no longer had to call an operator to connect to another person, it destroyed 10, hundreds of thousands of jobs. It also made access to phone services a middle working class thing that everyone had it wouldn't have been possible to do that the old way so it's good things that come with it but yeah man it's going to completely like it is going to change everything from stem to stern there's nothing that can be done about it other than to try to figure out how to best inform the ethic the ethical model behind how it operates and if we do that then we'll be in the best shot possible so I got a couple other topics that I wanted to hit to. Maybe we'll just go rapid fire because I, I yeah, let's do rapid it. fire. I appreciate yeah, your yeah. time. Um, let's say Twitter, Elon Musk. Do you, what do you make of him saying everybody has to come back to the office and and everything that he did in the takeover of Twitter? What, what's your opinion on that? Any decision he made for the company, 
it's his company, 100%. He's going to own its success or failure. Whether I think it's a good idea to make everyone come back to, I honestly don't know the model well enough to be able to say it. I assume he probably was making a good choice because he's done a pretty good job running businesses so far. Uh, he's the wealthiest guy on earth ever with, uh, with a bullet. So I'm going to go ahead and defer to him on that. Uh, I will say... I'm not I'm not against the the change of branding from Twitter to X. The problem is X means so many other things already. Like we say X to refer to all sorts of stuff, right? Twitter was its own brand. Nothing else was called Twitter. Um so I I I think that's the one thing that I I've had some issue with. Um but you know what? He's been wanting to to make the everything program or app since the paypal he wanted paypal to be called x he's owned x.com for a very long time um and he has wanted x to be the everything so you know he's building you know he's trying to build the everything he's trying to make the singularity company so you know what god bless maybe he's maybe he's right um so that's what i think about that what about oh, and i love i i love what he did to expose what we already that very strongly favorite. suspected yeah. that with the Twitter files drop and with everything since then, he has exposed this wasn't private companies choosing who to associate with all the same way, all at the exact same time. This was the government, not just the U.S. government, but multiple governments around the world directing big tech to to you know engage in a combination of censorship and shadow banning and and uh, uh, demonetization and all of this stuff. Uh, it was the government all along, and it, of course it was. And the people that were going, oh, it's a private company. All the private companies decided to do the exact same thing at the exact same time for the exact same stated reasons. No, the government was obviously involved. Yes, so that was going to be my next question. So thank you for yes. hitting on it. The next one was the the Pentagon. Did you see the the terrorism, the artificial intelligence terrorism generated photos of the Pentagon explosions? Did you see those? And it crashed the market earlier this year. No, so I didn't. It, so crazy is it was somebody created an AI generated photo of a bomb going off at the Pentagon, posted it to Twitter, now X. Somebody of a verified account retweeted it, and it crashed the market. I think by like thirty points. So the question was, <laughs> so the question was then, is this cyber terrorism? And then what is cyber terrorism? And how how much involved should we get? Be and I and I bring this up because. There was a bill introduced, I believe it was last week leading up to the 24 elections, where it was a bipartisan bill around uh, that it was going to ban or make it illegal to create AI-generated ads using political people to basically to, to stop any potential threat of us creating a, a meme or a video of Trump or Biden saying something stupid, right? So what's your take but on that? Not, but not the rest of us. Right. Just them. Right. Which means they can do it to us. Right. See, this is the this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. They'll go, oh, it is very dangerous. You know, people could deep fake others into all I mean, unspeakable compromising situations that, you know, I mean, the worst things, the worst crimes you could think of, they could uh, realistically, uh, you know, uh, 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 deep fake slash Photoshop them into, you know, full HD videos showing them doing this thing with their voice as they talk and the whole thing. And it would be almost impossible to. So that has to be illegal for you to do to us. <laughs> right. Not right. Not, not for you to do to each other or for us to do to you, which would be the real danger, would be uh, politicians in for – can you imagine a, a rogue prosecutor just straight up just framing as many people as possible to, to work his way up the ranks? Like 
get, like, but that's, you know, that's not, it's us doing it to them. That's the problem. That's my take on that is, is what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Uh, also, you got to be careful how you word that. Because what if it's one of these like fun videos where it's, you know, Trump and, and Biden playing ukuleles together or something or rap battle rapping each other mm-hmm. or whatever? Like, yeah, sure. Is that fake? You know, uh, is that a, a fake, you know, a depiction of them? Yeah. But is it is it entertainment or is it actual defamation? Also, uh, the First Amendment protects our right to do a lot of stuff when it comes to public officials. Like we're allowed to say things about them that we're not allowed to say about private people. Like we're allowed to kind of lie about them and, and be somewhat defamatory because it's politics. Like we're, we're allowed to say our opinion, even if it's not hundred percent correct, because it's, it's politics. These people have control over us. This would actually reverse that and make it where they can defame us, but we can't defame them. That's completely wrong. Which defeats the entire purpose of the structure of our government is that. Yes. <laughs> that just totally flips everything that was originally designed on its head. Yeah, I'm yeah. 100%. We have con- we have more control than you do, but in exchange you can say whatever the hell you want about us. That was the trade-off. Right. Should we stop how much access big big tech has on us? The, these APIs We should stop. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So the ability that when we're creating a Gmail or whatever, like if I were to look into my browser right now, for some reason I'm logged into all the browsers, it's tracking all of my whereabouts from my GPS, my locations, my likes, and then I I open up my smart TV and it's got cameras looking at me and it knows my favorite shows and how much information housing is too much. It should it should have to explain thoroughly what it is getting from us. And not a 700 page, you know, what, you know, pressing here says that you've read this 400 page PDF that no one reads uh, that we've probably never fully read and we can change it at any time. That's not a real like that's that is if I were to to do any kind of contract with you and say here um, by signing by pressing this button, you've signed the 700 page business contract. Also, I'm going to change it whenever I want. Like that's not that's not a legit informed consent it they need to be clear on on what it is that they are uh getting from you or taking from you or or learning from you or whatever in terms that are understandable uh i the, the much greater danger is government though like i am less worried about google um having this information if the if governments are explicitly stopped from utilizing it. I, I'm not as worried about Google having my info or or um, the Twitter or Meta or whatever having it, except in the current environment where big tech is basically being made to act as an extension of government. That's the thing that, that concerns me. Right. The arm, the outstretched arm of what was exposed during the Twitter files, which I'm sure yes. it was unique to Twitter. I'm sure. Well, no, because I mean, you had Mark Zuckerberg going on podcasts saying they were doing the same thing with him, like obviously, even but yes, even before that happened, it's like, yes, no, it was clearly just Twitter. Obviously. It wasn't every other one that was doing the exact same thing. Right. So my last question is, are we going to see you on the 24 ticket? That's my last. Question. I haven't decided. Yeah, I haven't decided that yet. I have not ruled it out. But uh, it really comes down to how I can best help this movement. 
Um, right now, uh, I'm in charge. I started and I'm in charge of my organization. You are the power. And what we do is we find people who are being abused by their local governments. We organize our large and growing membership of thousands of people across the country, as well as the local community of that person, wherever they are that, that's being harmed. We organize them together to get justice and respect for the people that are being abused by their local governments. And in doing so, we show the public that the best way for uh, government to interact with us is for us to expect the same level of respect uh, from them for us as individual human beings that we would expect from those exact same people if they were on the other side of that government table or that out, out the other side of that government building and just acting as private citizens. We expect a certain level of respect from all people. Uh, that's why we have a, a relatively functional society where you feel safe going outside, being around a bunch of strangers. And in the places where we don't have that, that are the places that are the least safe, that are the places that people are fleeing. Those are the places where people are the least harmonious, the least prosperous, and the least happy. And we are at our most prosperous, harmonious, and happiest when we are being respected. And we should expect that same respect from the government. That's what we do uh, at You Are the Power. And we've done incredible work. We are expanding every single day, uh, growing by leaps and bounds. I have to decide, is it best for me to stay where I am with You Are the Power and continue doing that? Um, and Or to take a roughly one-year break put a good team in place that will continue to make sure you are the power meets all of its expansion goals and its its you know growth goals and everything else and run for for a president to to help the liberty movement and the libertarian party in that way. I have many other smaller questions that I have to answer before I can answer in order to answer that question. Um but I'm not going to be coy about it. Once I know uh, very soon after that, soon after I start putting together the team, the two teams, the you are the power team and the and the campaign team, I would let everyone else know. And if I decide I'm not running, pretty much right after I decide I'm not running, I will let everyone know. I'm not being coy about it. I am I am very seriously and with a sober mind um, deliberating the best way to move forward. Uh, it's not any like personal bucket list item for me to do or anything like that. It's not an ego stroke for me. If I'm doing it, it's because I think it's how I can best help the movement. So we shall see, but I appreciate your, your support. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see, I know whichever route you choose, you'll be, it's, it, it'll be in the best interest of the people because I love what you're doing. I, I see the videos. Thanks. I'm a big follower of yours. I was a supporter of yours in 2020 with Joe and and I'm still Thank to you. this day, obviously a supporter. So I appreciate it, man. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy um, and I appreciate you you hopping on. And and it's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak with you. And I look forward to continuing to follow your journey of, of helping my fellow Americans, which is that is, are you still doing that you're still doing that, right? That podcast. I, no, I'm not doing the show anymore. I got so busy with you or the power, I couldn't. I couldn't justify keeping the show going anymore. But uh, yeah, that was the name of the show, my fellow Americans. But I listen, man. I appreciate being on. I really enjoy talking about the kind of stuff that I don't necessarily talk about all the time. I really like talking about this AI stuff, even though I do start sounding a little woo woo when I start saying it. They're going to be gods, but like <laughs> I, I, I like talking about it because I, I think a lot of people aren't like. They're not doing, they're doing the thing people often don't do. They're not following it to its logical, they're not following the trend line to its logical conclusion. I think it's important to have it. So I'm glad we had that conversation. Um, I'm happy to come on uh, again on the future. Uh, folks, if you enjoy what you heard, you want to hear more, uh, obviously uh, continue to stay tuned to Work Wherever podcast. I'm doing your promo, by the way. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, if you want to follow me, uh, look for Spike Cohen on any social media. I'm on all just about all social media. Uh, and if you want to be a part of uh, the the movement that we're growing, go to youarethepower.com. 
uh, and sign up to become a member today. We'd love to have you. And thanks again for having me on, man. I look forward yeah, to doing man. it again. I, I look forward to having you. I appreciate you very much, guys. Go follow them. But Instagram, I believe, is where I follow you the most. Is it real Spike Cohen? Is that? Uh, no, so it, it's literally, it's at literally. literally Spike Cohen everywhere except Twitter or X because the character limit wouldn't allow literally. So it's real Spike Cohen there and literally Spike Cohen everywhere else. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Spike. Thanks for hopping on, man. I, I very much appreciate the time. Guys, go check him out. Go follow him. Thanks again, Spike. Guys, hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast. Go check out Spike. Go see the you are, uh, is you have a power? Is that what it is, Spike? Let me just make sure I get it right. Yes, it is You Are The Power. Make sure you guys go check out You Are The Power. Check out Spike. Make sure that you see all the good things they're doing. And please, God, go vote for Libertarians. Guys, it, it, it's, I, I hate the argument that they, they're, they're not going to win. It doesn't really matter if we get 100%, but if all of you voted Libertarian, we would win, by the way. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, but guys, just get out and vote. Either way that you do it, you're Libertarian, you're right. The other ways you're wrong. But either way, if you want to be wrong and throw your vote away, go right ahead. Guys, thanks for hanging out. Hopefully you learned something today. And until next time, <laughs> see ya. <laughs>